And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 286 of This Old Marketing, recorded on Thursday, August 26th, 2021. And with me, as always, my good friend, my colleague, and a guy who actually could change his name to ye, Mr. Joe Polizzi. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear about no, this? No, what are you talking about? I miss uh, everything. You are, you are yeah. Mr. Pop Culture these days. Uh, that's right. I, I, well, I'm always been Mr. Okay. Pop Culture. What do you got? Lay it on me. Let's just be clear about that. Um, so Kanye, yesterday, uh, as we record this on Thursday, August 26th, has petitioned the government to change, legally change his name from Kanye to Ye. <laughs> I thought he was I, Yeezus. I, 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 you know, I, I, I've, I've given up trying to keep up with uh, Ye. Um, and so... But, uh, yeah, but this seems bigger than Snoop Dogg going to Snoop Lion and then back to Snoop Dogg. Or oh yeah, this or, is a legal change. He would make his legal name Ye, just Ye. By the way, no, not Ye West or you know, no. It's just is it Ye, ye? He, or Ye Y E? Yeah, but it's, I mean, could be I don't ye. know because it'd be Kanye. Yeah, yeah, sure, you say sure, Ye, sure. Although they do sure. say Jesus, sure. Or you could put the the sort of the. Spanish accent or whatever it is over the E and make it yeah? No, so what do you do when you get that application? Do you do they say well, it's it's Kanye. He can have whatever he wants. Of course we're going to make the move or is this idiocy? We, we're not going to. What do you do? I, I you know, I I I just want to be a fly on the wall of the judge um you know, the 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 court that actually gets this on his or her Docket, right? It's like, here we go. Uh, case number seven hundred and sixty-two dot a. Uh, Mr. Kanye West uh, is petitioning the court to change his legal name uh, from Kanye Omari West uh, to the two-letter nickname Yee. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you. And the judge goes, um, sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, what are you going to do? Of okay. course I'm going to say like, yes. Why, yeah, of course. That, that, and, why say no? But you why know what? You I, bet no you, I bet you he won't get the California license plate. I bet you that's taken. Oh, yeah. As is uh, as is Yee.com for yeah. sure. Well, he can buy that. To, what yeah, is Yee.com? It's probably... Uh, Yee.com does not resolve to anything oh, at the see, moment. see, he can get that. But he, he, has, yeah, you, he has lots of Bitcoin. I mean, he has plenty right. of funds. That he can use, so that's I, right. Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't hear anything. It's, it's very. But if he changes his last name to Yi, then what are his, what are his kid, what are his kids' last name? Do they stay West, or do they? Or, you know, well, of so course they his do. Wife, that, his wife, who's, that's his. Yeah, that that's their decision. That's not his legal name anymore, though. Yeah, but, it, but their legal there name are, doesn't change because he, I guess so. He I guess his. so. Yeah, yeah. That that's a. Good so point. if I change my legal name. My kids don't take the name. <laughs> I think you should change your legal name to Or, like for you know, short for Orange, right? Just, just you know, we're going to start calling you Or, like Eeyore. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? I'm know. happy with with Polizzi, with JP, <clears throat> JoJo, Joey. All those are acceptable. Joseph, are they? But <clears throat> not Or. Yeah, not or. It's, you can't introduce ha- hashtag hashtag or. <laughs> and yeah, and now I mean I've been I've been working on this Godfather of content marketing thing. They goes, and now the Godfather of content marketing, or. or. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm the silence. That's right. Or what? What's or? That's like you don't that's know. like Kanye could be being yay or ye or whatever. See, but then you could issue a whole cryptocurrency. It could be or coin. Oh, I mean, God, there we go. you know, you're you're not there. you're not appreciating the level of branding that this could actually bring about oh, for you. There, yeah, I yeah, I'm not what, whatever. Anyways, how are you? How are, how I'm are doing things? fine. <laughs> I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. I'm I'm 
I could not be more excited for the start of football in literally two oh, weeks. Geez, yeah, um, I don't like the break. I'm, I don't like the break from the two week break from the last preseason game to opening day. That's a long time. I want it is. I want it is. Football. I'm sure that was a yeah. That, I'm sure that was a. I'm sure that was a negotiated point. Yeah, that, I mean, the, uh, it's, it's fine, right? Yeah. Although, as Roy Kent would say, you don't settle for fine. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, right. That's Do right. Do not settle for fine. That's right. But I was going to say, wow, it's really hard to quote Roy Kent without getting completely oh, yeah, he, off the rails. Oh, no, and my wife got me an AFC Richmond shirt the other day. Oh, Bless that's her. fantastic. Oh, absolutely. Of course, she is. She doesn't listen to this podcast, so I can talk about her. Uh, she's in love with Roy Kent. If, oh well, so is my well, wife. I mean, every every woman is is and man for that for that matter is is in well, love. For with those Roy people Kent. that don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about Ted Lasso. Roy Kent, one of the the main characters on it, and he uh, he cusses. He has, uses more f words in a sentence than anyone possibly can. And I even said because she's so enamored by Roy Kent, I'm like, do you want me to cuss like that? It's like, and she's basically said, well, if you're Roy Kent, yes, you're fine. Do whatever. <laughs> If you want to be more like that. So I'm trying to add more F words to my vocabulary. Do you know that the actor for that was not originally going to play that part? Oh, tell me what. So he was. So the the guy who Brett Goldstein is the actor's name. And uh, he basically uh, was a writer. He was hired to be a writer on the show. And basically when um, he, you know, he was struck by, you know, one of the, the, the characters, of course, Lee, you know, the Roy Kent. Um, and basically he then started to, you know, petition the producers of the show to play Roy Kent and he got it. And it just basically, it, he, he, he has sort of now inhabited that character. It's just, it's What's so funny from season story. one to season two. We don't want to, some people haven't watched it, but his, his, uh, yeah. his voice is so guttural now. It's really, it gets lower every episode. When he's on the sports show, when he's on the, when he's on the talk show and, and just totally giving hell to the other newscasters, it's just, uh, it's just so it's, great. It, it's just, that show is so wonderful. It's my, fa- it's it's just, my it's favorite fun. show continues yeah. to be my favorite show, even though some people are talking yeah. about how season two is not as good as season one. I disagree a hundred percent with that. I a hundred percent disagree with that. This is this is the show living its best life, in my opinion. I would agree with that. In and season two, season one had to warm you up for this kind of show. Season one had to sort of be a little bit normal. In order for you, because if it had started with season two, people would have not believed it. Yeah. People would have been, this is too, you know, Pollyanna, it's too feel good, it's too schmaltzy, but they warmed you up to it. And then season two is is definitely this show living its best life. Now I hear, I hear, now this is not spoiler alerts or anything, I hear what they say is, is that it's going to take a turn, but you know, we don't know. Well, I would imagine something has to resolve with the, how the season's going, but yeah. But anyways, I, I but, mean, and, I, yeah. I think we both would recommend if anybody's listening to this, you want to put Ted Lasso. Oh, if you want to feel good about watch. your life, if you want to feel good yes. about your life, and, I'd say and you, you want to feel give, good about life in general, yeah, you just have do to it. give the first uh, season three episodes to get in. Like, don't I, I, I the first couple I was like, oh, maybe, maybe. And then I fell in love with it. Oh, yeah. So. You have to get used to it. This is what I'm saying. The, the first season really warms you into this whole thing and you have to sort of embrace and I, you know for that reason it's not for everyone right it's not it's not a show that's going to resonate with everybody because it's you know i'll say this again with no spoilers there's not a lot of serious conflict on this show it's that's just you know it's not the way it's not what the show is about yeah it is a feel good yeah. a feel good yeah situation yes yeah. yeah yeah that's right um so and, and yeah, and then the update over here is uh, it's very quiet with no kids around the house. Wow, that's fascinating. And and I'll be completely honest with you, we were, we were talking about it before the show. Uh, the, it it hit me harder than I thought it was going to hit me. 
with, uh, with the, I, it did it did and you know i <laughs> i wrote the magna carta to both of them uh as, yes as here's here, here's what i would like you to do and and you know basically ended with you know i love you as you are with, with the creepy yeah, yeah with the creepy member folks from last episode the creepy drink the, the, tip so. hey <laughs> i got i got not one but two emails back from people telling me that they tell their kids the same thing oh all right so, fantastic yes, exactly. I, you know so you have to hey you have to say it because i know i you gotta say you it don't out know. or otherwise you, right you exactly. don't know uh, in between youtube videos if they are ever paying attention to what's going on in real life but i uh i have great hopes for both of them they're both uh, in their their new dorm rooms they both started classes and uh and we'll we'll see we'll see how it goes i hope they you know go break things and uh get into very uncomfortable situations in a positive way. Exactly. Just live, live life. Um, live life. Live, live your life. Love live life. the life that they hadn't been able to. And this goes for, for all of us, right? That the weird, the weirdness of the previous 18 months. And what I do like about what's going on is on, on both the campuses that they're at, they've got the you know, mass policies and whatever, and vaccination policies. And as you're on campus, there is a it's not 100 percent, but it, there's a level of normalcy where, where i could see yeah they're going to be fine they're going to be able to to be you know college students this year it seems i hope so so that's my take on the isn't it good isn't it grand isn't it great isn't it swell <laughs> gonna break into chicago here yeah <laughs> yeah, so uh, anything else we should cover before the, the news? No. Well, uh, we should get we to have the a news lot, because yeah, it's a nice... A lot, a lot happened. S- it's a nice segue um, from boys in dorms to our first story, um, <laughs> which is a story about OnlyFans. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so here's the headline uh, as we get to the news here, the courtesy of a couple of, we're going to put a couple of show uh, links into the show notes, um, which is the first one from The Verge, uh, which there's, and there's a number of outlets covering this, so um, find your favorite um, one and, and, and read about it. But OnlyFans, and this all happened in the scheme of literally the last week, week since we were last right. on the air, um, where OnlyFans uh, first said, eh, you know what we're going to do? We're going to shut down all adult content. All sex content will be banned from now on. And the world and the internet went absolutely berserk. And literally yesterday, uh, the it came out that OnlyFans went, Never mind. It's not actually going to ban porn or sex on October 1st. The story from The Verge opens up says, In an abrupt tweet, video and image sharing site OnlyFans announced a reversal of the shocker announcement that it would ban sexually explicit content. In a statement to The Verge, a spokesperson said, The proposed October 1st, 2021 changes are no longer required due to banking partners' assurances that OnlyFans can support all genres uh, of creators. This comes just one day after its CEO said in an interview with the Financial Times that the reason for the ban was actually issues with its banking partners, not MasterCard, as some had assumed. Now OnlyFan creators, many of whom had already already begun deleting content that violated the policy or started shifting their subscriber base to new platforms are faced with a choice. They can either stick with a partner that grew to bring in billions by hosting content made by sex workers or ditch the partner that looked like it sold them out when things got tough. And the article ends right there. Um, We'll also pair it, however, with this uh, interesting story, uh, probably worth uh, the context of our chat, Joe, from Vanity Fair, which was a feature or an opinion piece, I guess it is, uh, where um, it's called OnlyFans and the Myth of Owning Your Own Hustle. The platform's betrayal of sex workers reveals the hard truth about greater economy or the creator economy at large. And that article opens up by saying, when OnlyFans, a social platform with over 130 million users, announced what was essentially a change in the company's content guidelines, the backlash was swift. 
What separated the website from other 2010 tech properties chasing their piece of the creator economy pie, after all, was that OnlyFans famously allowed users to monetize sexually explicit content that made it possible for sex workers to parlay exclusive access and online content for income. That is the... <laughs> that is... Oh. God, I mean, you talk you talk about an overwritten sentence. I mean, come Par- on. They had to get parlay in they, there. Had to get it in. We make it possible for sex workers to parlay exclusive access for online. We made it. We made them pay for seeing me naked. Basically, yes, that is the that is what they did. Apparently, the decision by OnlyFans to ban sexually explicit content wasn't so much a matter of revenue or performances as it was a bid to appease credit card companies and potential investors. The article goes on through this. Uh, to talk about the fact that it wasn't just the celebrities, but it was actually the sex workers who actually really got uh, all of this attention and everything and the and has really driven, interestingly enough, uh, driving what uh, the writer calls the golden age of creatorship um, and basically talks through sort of, well, an interesting idea that all of this stuff is fraught with danger, I guess would be the way to say it, you know, and so you should be careful, uh, interestingly enough, that kind of say without saying about the rented land, but it's not even really that. It's just basically like it's, it's you know, it's hard to start a business, I guess is what the <laughs> the the, uh, the Vanity Fair article. Anyway, what did you think about both these things? What do you think about OnlyFans? What do you think about all of this going on in the content creator economy, entrepreneur-ish yeah content tilt yeah, I, <laughs> I i wrote so much last week on this and then i added in my news joepolizzi.com newsletter uh that, that came out today and then i had to say oh but they flip flop back and forth what you just talked about and so first right. of all uh, regardless of how you feel about OnlyFans from a moral perspective we as content creators content entrepreneurs need to expect these big platforms to make any and all changes they wish to now, OnlyFans comes out and says it's because of investors, banks, whatever. We can talk about that in a second. But Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, they have every and all right to make any changes they want to because they're not your company. They're, they're, you don't have any control as a content creator on those platforms. And you have no control. You have no say. It's like, oh, let's say you wanted to, to do something on Google+. Plus. Oh, my God, Google+, Plus shut down. Right. I mean, it's not even doesn't even exist anymore. So the point is and where it's that the Vanity Fair article is a a little bit interesting is once you build, let's say you build an audience on one of these other platforms. Let's say you are a not safe for work content creator on OnlyFans and you do build up an audience. And there's quite a few of them that were making multiple millions of dollars a year. Still are, I guess, depending on where they where they went here. As soon as you gain any kind of a following on a platform like this, you have to have the strategy to move it. You have to move it to your own website that you have some control over, an email newsletter, a uh, a membership site that you can control. Uh, you know, we we've, we've talked at at length on this show about crypto or creator coins, which are out there now. You can do a lot of different things. So. You just have to be smart enough as a content entrepreneur today to know that it can stop tomorrow. So that's why you and I have talked forever about, hey, great, use these social platforms, use these big media companies, use these you know, big tech platforms as you can grow your business, use them at will, but tomorrow they might be gone or they might change or Twitter may kick you off the platform or whatever. I mean, we talked about on the show what, a couple of weeks ago about Donald Trump's horrible media strategy. Not even talking about it it's politi- politically, he created such right. a huge audience on these social media networks that then kick him off. And now what? He never leveraged that during to build his own platform. He could he could have his, a huge media company up and running right now without Fox's help if he would have done this, but he didn't do it. So we need to know better. We need to do better. And we again another learning. And you know what? There's going to be episode two eighty nine or. 292 for us, Robert, that we're going to be talking about the exact same thing about some other platform making changes. And that's just the way it is. We need to know better. We need to be better. That's my take. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a good one and, and, and a familiar one, obviously, but, and, and I think it, it also goes hand in hand with, you know, I think an interesting trend 
sort of at the meta level of, you know, sort of the tension between trying to protect, you know, the government and 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 banks and basically big institutions trying to protect audiences. And I mean, we've talked a little bit about regulation and we've talked a little bit about, um, you know, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing on social media platforms. And we need to sort of take a step back and go, you know, basically go back to a little more than a year ago um, where all of this, this, this whole thing started about a year and uh, six months ago, spring of last year, basically, um, when, uh, when, when the banks started to talk about the challenges, um, there was a big New York Times expose on Pornhub, yeah. which really came to light in the earlier part of this year. Um, and and basically what happened was mass and it was basically unverified users on that platform, which is very much like YouTube. Basically, anybody can upload anything. Um, and what people a lot of people don't understand about Pornhub, not that I wouldn't have any experience with this, but what they don't understand is that Pornhub has a lot more than just, you know, you know, naked people having sex. There are, you know, there are lots and lots and lots of different kinds of content on Pornhub, um, including movies and, you know, and things that you would find on YouTube. And, and, and interestingly, what they found was, is that it very much like YouTube, basically anybody can upload anything. And so the, the New York Times, the expose basically said, hey, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of age problems. There's a lot of, you know, like unwilling participants uh, getting put on here. And, and, and basically, the banks looked at that article and and specifically MasterCard looked at that and went, nope, not on our watch. And basically said to the sites and to the bank partners, you're not going to be able to, you know, process payments um, from if you haven't provided, you know, documented evidence that every one of your users, you know, is complying with age and, and willingness and consent, basically. And that is a huge cost for someone like a, uh, for someone like a OnlyFans or a Pornhub or any of these sites. And, and by the way, it goes beyond just the sort of obvious ones, right? This is, this is going to get, I mean, some sites will have easier ways of doing this, you know, like YouTube because they ban sex content pretty much full stop. But those that sort of make their money in this area, that's where it's really, it's a huge cost for them to get that level of compliance. And that's just a regulatory compliance issue. And the interesting thing there is when you start looking at that, you, you wonder what happened, right? Because so, some, something either happened. So, something either caved. Yeah. So, you know, in other words, they said, it's, you, know, you, you have some time on this or, or something like that. Or OnlyFans, which is what I, this is what I suspect actually happened. OnlyFans went, okay, we're going we're gonna to bite the bullet and actually you know, we, we, this is the, by basically, this is what, this is what's feeding us right now. This is our, you know, this is a main revenue source for us and we need to eat this cost um, because this is what's going to enable us to grow and actually become something. So uh, that's what I think happened is, is that they basically said, yeah, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to figure out how to make this work. Right. And, and figure yeah. out how to pay the money. So understand, and then the lesson for that, for all of us is really understand where your costs are going to, you know, what does success look like and what does the cost of that look like? You know, this is, this is a huge, for, for media creators, for content creators, it's a huge thing. You know, I, I get emails occasionally from, you know, there's an, a totally separate but really interesting corollary to this, which is, I, I didn't even know this was a thing, but there are, there are, there are sites out there that are, licensing what they do is they go out to these music sites for example the you know what you know the ones that you buy you know a royal for a royalty free mm -hmm. license and then you use underneath your youtube video or whatever and they're basically pulling those songs and they're making like mixtapes right so they make a mixtape and they put it on youtube or they make a audio file you know like you know three hours of meditation music or, you know, you know, they make albums basically out of this music. They go out and they curate this stuff, get the royalty for and then they sell it. They resell the access, you know, or adver put advertising against it. 
And some of the music companies that have this are saying, no, 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 that's not what we mean by this, right? They're sort of re redistributing their sort of ideas. They're saying, you're going to have to pay a license fee on that, you know, a performance fee on that because you're actually now reselling it, not, you know, and, and, and so some of those, I've gotten a couple of emails from people saying, is that fair? And it's like, well, yeah, kind of, yeah. I mean, they can change the rules anytime they want to change the rules. So it's not just a platform. It's also the how you're actually looking and using content as well and look at your cost and look at your business model and look at how that rented land may shift underneath your feet. Well, I think your point about institutions, all institutions yeah. is the issue here, which concerns me. So if we go back to OnlyFans, the CEO, Tim Stokely, says that it's because of the banks, whatever that means. But basically saying that more and more Financial institutions were threatening to stop doing business with only only fans, citing incidents of illegal content, whatever. And so they had to make this pullback. And now they go back on that. I don't know. We don't know what happened. I'm sure there's more to the story. But if you go back to your example of Pornhub, and I was you know, trying to figure this out as to th- this, obviously Pornhub and what, what happened with Pornhub and OnlyFans is the same part of the same story. And you talk right. about MasterCard, and I'm like, why did that master? Why did MasterCard do that? Well, apparently, big venture capitalist Bill Ackman, who's one of the richest people in the world, knows the CEO of MasterCard and sent a text and said, "You have to stop doing business. You have to stop this." So you have powerful people, part of powerful institutions, sending texts and making the the, the uh, livelihood of a ton of people irrelevant. That's what I don't like, yeah. and that's why, of course, I'm not going to go into my whole Bitcoin argument. I'm I'm just saying that I don't. That's why I uh, I want to see other currencies out there because the big institutions in all its forms out there have way too much control over the content entrepreneur, and we need to look at all available avenues so that we're diversified and not beholden to what a Mastercard chooses to do. So I yeah, think you're right. I didn't right. think about it that way to start with because I'm thinking, oh, this is Facebook and this is Twitter and this is uh, OnlyFans or Patreon or whatever, right? It, it, good intentions or not, but it's really all these big institutions that have all this power and can change the lives of 100 million people in one instance. Yeah. Well, and it's, I mean, you know, so two, two quick points. One is, uh, fun fact... On so Pornhub Premium, which is actually a premium service, and again, I'm it's only what I hear. Uh, yeah, okay, I, I don't, yes, I don't yes, actually have yes, any yes, you don't have to say it eight times. Yeah, we all yeah. know that okay, you, right. you're a subscriber. <laughs> Go ahead, right? They only accept cryptocurrency now, <laughs> is that right? They, they, they that's oh. right, yeah, that's it. So, that's the way you can uh, the only way you can buy a premium Pornhub subscription at the moment, um, is uh, through Bitcoin, um, and so. Interesting fun fact. Second, and we talked a little bit about this maybe six months ago on the show, which is just exactly this, the institution and the use of regulation as a, uh, as a, as a competition killer. One of the things that Facebook, you know, it, it, you know, we often think these big institutions like Facebook and, you know, Apple and, you know, the big Google that they're all that they're all going no regulation no regulation no regulation that's not no, true they, they just want clear what a lot of them are doing is lobbying yeah they're lobbying for regulation and of course the way they spin that is they say oh we're of course we want to be regulated this is the way we want to be regulated this is this is what the industry needs we're experts in the industry and we think the regulation needs to look like this you need to peel back those ideas and go who does this affect most and in most cases what you'll find is it helps them and actually hurts startup competition from actually becoming more uh, more competitive. It, you know, it's, it, I get this all the time. I talk to a, this, again, outside the point a little bit, but I talked to a financial advisor, this is a few months ago, and was talking about, oh, you know, investing in cryptocurrency, it, you know, you can't do it because there's going to be, there's no regulation. There's going to be regulation. That industry doesn't want regulation. I'm like, that's not true. They absolutely want to know uh, how, how the rules on the playing field, especially in the United yes. States, because once, once 
a lot of these bigger institutions know the rules, then they can pass compliance. Then they can go ahead and invest because a lot of these big institutions can't because they don't know. It won't pass compliance and they can't do anything about it. So we all right. just want to know, okay, what are we going to do? So I think that as these things get more regulated, it gets more clear, you're going to see more investment in those areas. So beside the point. I think that's true as well. Yeah. So that's the flip side of what I just said, right? Which is there are also there's a way to do smart regulatory and smart institutional policy that actually you know encourages markets to expand by saying if we know the rules now we can actually go play the game and and uh, and and there's so many of those big institutions right now because of the cloudiness of crypto that are just sitting on the sidelines with so much investment to make in this but just will go nope until we know what the rules are going to be, we're we're just we're not even going hey, did, there. Did, did you see that Visa bought a CryptoPunk? I did. Not a, not in our <laughs> story, but I they're did. adding it to their museum. The they spent one hundred fifty thousand dollars on a CryptoPunk, which is now worth about two hundred seventy thousand dollars since they purchased it. Yeah, which is funny, right? Because here you've got on one side Mastercard saying you know the thing about sex workers, and then on the other side you've got Visa, which is going seemingly like going all in on crypto basically encouraging people to buy nfts encouraging them to use their visa card to buy um, nfts yeah Yeah. all they have to do is look at the amount of money that's flowing through there now and they're saying oh we're not getting any of this this is horrible what are we going to do let's go out and buy an nft and get part of this immediately which by the way if it was a pr stunt one of the best pr stunts ever Oh, it's oh, because no, everyone was, was talking about that Visa was, doing yeah. this, and all they did was buy a CryptoPunk that you know three thousand other people own one. So I don't. Well, that's right. There, there, yeah. That that was a. I, I guarantee you, there were several marketing meetings on that, and 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 at least two of those meetings were on which one should we buy. <laughs> but just think about it's just so crazy to think that some some big companies can purchase an NFT like a CryptoPunk and use it as a reserve currency, like a reserve, like cash in the organization, like an investment. That's what they're looking at it. It's, yeah. it's nuts. This is crazy. We live in a crazy, crazy environment right now. It changes every day. So, hey, do we have other yeah. stories? Or is this... Uh, we do have other stories. Um, yeah, it's it. it, it <laughs> <laughs> by the way, by the way, just the last the last one little thing on this is a fun little thing. If you go look at just do your if you're into this cryptocurrency thing and you're into the NFT things, just d- give yourself a good laugh for the day and go look at all the other things that the same the Visa wallet that owns the CryptoPunk that they just bought. Go look at the other things that they own. <laughs> You speak about it's just it's it's pretty funny for if you're into well, memes and, and stuff and, like that. And by the way, you should know that that some of those were sent to Visa, so that yes, yeah, I'm sure they of, were. But people don't know when once you once you have a wallet, they know it's your wallet. They anyone can send you something. Yes, so, and there's some there's some comedy sure, in there. There's some I'm good sure comedy. There is. By in the there. way, another brilliant move. Yeah. yeah, if you like, if you were if you had your own line of NFTs, the first thing I would do is send one off to Visa and say, "Here you go." That's so right. That when people Absolutely. look at the wa- Visa it's, wallet, there it is. So. There you go. Showroom. It's set up your That's showroom. Exactly yeah, right. exactly right. We'll be right back. Starting a business can be overwhelming, and a great way to make it simple is to go step by step. The Dot Online Business Academy offers simple, easy to follow, and completely free courses to help you find a business idea, create a business plan, build a website, and more. The short videos, bonus activities, and resources give you everything you need to take your business up and running. Hosted by industry experts such as Ryan Folan, Jason Falls, and Kim Garst, these courses also come with interesting activities and exciting prizes. For more information, visit academy.get. Dot online. That's academy.get.online. And now, back to the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're moving on to our next story here, which is an acquisition um, and just happened. This is a bit of a breaking news story, as it were. Um, literally, as we speak, um, the acquisition is happening. Axel Springer uh, is to acquire two companies, Politico, if you're into that kind of uh, publication, and Protocol, another publication that is uh, more new. 
um, basically, as the story goes, uh, we'll go right to the source here for the Politico acquisition because that's Axel Springer itself. Uh, and basically, the press release opens up by saying publishing group Axel Springer uh, signed an agreement to acquire Politico, including the remaining 50% share of its current joint venture, Politico Europe, as well as the tech news website Protocol from Robert all Britain. Politico will complement and strengthen Axel Springer's portfolio with an authoritative voice offering inside perspective and analysis of politics and policy in Washington, D.C., across the U.S. and around the globe. Together with Insider and Morning Brew, which are already part of the company's portfolio, which is an interesting little portfolio of companies, uh, all by acquisition, by the way, uh, Axel Springer's U.S. headquartered news brands will have a significant reach. Over its 15-year history, Politico has emerged as one of the world's most influential news sources and one of the preeminent models of successful media innovation in the 21st century. Boy, that's a press release line if I ever heard one. <laughs> Today, more than 500 journalists at Politico and its sibling publication Protocol, launched in 2020, help set the agenda on the most urgent issues, blah, blah, blah. It says a lot of nice things about Politico and Protocol and why they did that. The story... I think, Joe, is protocol. What do you think? I mean, Politico, yay, great, fantastic. It yep. got acquired by a, a media company. But Protocol literally launched last year with two people and some, you know, some uh, picnic tables. Well, the first thing, just a side note on Axel Springer, who's ever involved in their acquisition group is brilliant. Uh, oh, yeah. And they've fantastic. been doing a great yeah. job for a long time. So they made a move from very, very traditional publishing over to being a fully integrated media property that sells just about everything on the planet. So good for them. Uh, that's what every oh, yeah, smart company got, should be doing yeah. in looking at the, the roadmap, almost like what we talked about last week with Red Ventures. Very, very similar to what's yeah. going on in Axel Springer. The thing about protocol and the thing that I is an opportunity for anyone listening to this is this is not even 18 months of time. And... You know, we talked about launch. You know, we did the the tilt uh, research on content entrepreneurs and said it takes nine months for a content entrepreneur to make their first dollar. Generally, uh, it takes eighteen months for somebody to hire some. You know, it takes a long time twenty six months until you feel like you're generating a good amount of revenue. It takes a long time to build these things out. I think what protocol has shown us is that this zero to one hundred miles an hour and to get purchased is an actual business model right now is if you yep. just say say okay what just forget about all the different revenue options for a second and just say let's let's go into a category let's completely dominate it let's work on audience acquisition keeping that audience and when you do that if you launch the organization with that in mind you already know or already should know the companies that will buy you that's right. where i think it's I mean, we, I, 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 and you heard this uh, story. I mean, I, I told the build to sell story at the build a better agency summit and what we did with content marketing Institute. And, you know, and we talked about long time before who we thought could purchase. I mean, how many conversations did you and I have over dinner and drinks and say, who could buy CMI? Like we, right. And we knew we, we were, we were almost grooming ourselves for these different companies so if you're a constant entrepreneur and you're starting something, you should start to know your exit if you want to exit and sell. And this could be something where, I don't want to say quick payout, but 18 months is amazing uh, acceleration of oh, time period. Oh, it's just incredible. So, and, and it's I mean, available it's not today. even really enough time to, 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 you know, I mean, honestly, it's not even enough time to really build the business. You know what to I mean? Know I mean 18 months, well, that's the th they were just figuring but stuff out. But that's the thing is, you know what I mean? if you it's not enough time to figure out the business in 18 months, but it is enough time to figure out the audience and the yeah, editorial. Absolutely. And that's what yep. they did. And they built their audience and they had a good following. And honestly, I don't know what the revenue uh, figures are, but it probably was more of audience land grab in this case. Because they've, they've yeah, well, t I think it was a t and, and talent, talent, right? This and was, talent. you know, you know, when you look at, you know, when you look at the portfolio of Axel Springer, and you're absolutely right. I mean, if you guys want to just see like a company that knows how to acquire and build a portfolio of media operations, just go look at their news 
you know, the segment of their the portfolio that is news and media. Rolling Stone, you know, Insider. I mean, you know, Insider, you know, so yeah, many different, and just they, they cover the gamut of all these things. And I'm sure when it was, we're going to acquire Politico, they looked at it and went, oh, right, there's this other thing, Protocol, what, what is that? Oh, how many? Okay, they got, yeah, they got a little bit of momentum going. Oh my gosh, look at the talent there. Let's get, yeah, we're, they're coming along for the ride. You yep. know what I mean? It was, it was all about, recognizing the talent of what they were able to do. So, yeah. In, in, incredible. So that's, that's what, that was the takeaway for me it was, yeah. I think there's a new, a there's bit. a new model because of all the money that's out there that in my opinion, it's not going to go away for a while. There's an opportunity, but a lot of content entrepreneurs are late to the business because they don't understand that your exit strategy starts at launch. It doesn't start when you yeah, want to sell. Exactly. That's right. So. That's right. That's right. Nor does it have to be ten years later. No, right? it yeah, could be. What's your yeah. What's your goal? What's your timetable? You then you then you just figure out. Okay, do you want to sell for one million, uh, fifty thousand, right. twenty million, whatever the case is, and you figure out how, what what you need to get to certain points. So, yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. All right. Moving on to our next story here, which is a fascinating one, and I have to say, especially fascinating to me. Um, is a, a it's a new uh, we've talked about this before with uh, our friends at Spotify, um, and this comes right from the uh, I guess the PR uh, department of Spotify, and basically their announcement that they have opened up podcast subscriptions to all every podcaster that wants to be part of it. And they open up by saying, again, this is just breaking news just a couple of days ago. They open up by saying, we have long, and this is Spotify saying this, we have long believed that creators should have a variety of options at their fingertips when it comes to deciding how to monetize their work. That's why, as more creators than ever are now publishing their content on Spotify, we've begun rolling out tools that power those choices from better advertising models to direct monetization from listeners. In April, we shared that we would begin testing podcast subscriptions as a way for creators to offer paid subscriber-only content on Spotify and other platforms using Spotify's podcast creation platform, Anchor, which, of course, we talked about the acquisition of that a few months ago. Um, and in the testing period since, we've activated more than 100 podcasts and found that shows across genres and content styles have a massive opportunity to build paying subscriber bases. Now, we're ready to expand this model to everyone. Starting today, we're making podcast subscriptions available to all U.S. podcasters. Our model is built to maximize creator revenue and offer the widest possible reach so creators can grow their audiences to develop deep connections with their listeners. Uh, fascinating stuff. I think this is this is theoretically game changing for podcasting. What because this, I mean, I think the devil is in the details, and I have not dived in to see what you actually get here and how what kind of access to your audience you actually get. But this could be game changing to podcasting as an owned media audience. What's well, and you? my question is, and I have to, I probably should have found out, but I didn't. Do you have to use yeah. Anchor services? As your distribution mechanism. Well, I'm sure. Um, oh, yeah. I'm sure you do. Oh, I'm so sure. So that's. You do. I, I, I would not. So, so that's. Um, that that was. The, I don't know that, that was it's exclusive they, yeah, though, right? That, you could you could use you could use two, right? You could use, you know, in other words, you could have a free podcast available on, say, you know, through Libsyn or some other syndication network, and then you have your private podcast available, which is maybe is the same show truncated or or excuse me expanded yeah. or whatever. And you do that through Anchor. And I think what the Anchor would want, and this is probably the reason why Spotify did the whole deal, is for you to do all of it on Anchor. You did if the free episode, yeah, the paid episode, whatever. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny when I was when I was reading through this uh, much better press release than the other one we just read was right. Um, where is Apple? Oh, it's amazing that Apple hasn't done this. Yet. Apple I mean, it's is so crazy. Apple has. That they have an app store. They have an app store, but there's no podcast store, right? You can submit apps and make money off of apps and a whole network and a marketplace, but you can't do that with content. It's 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 almost like they've they've succumbed and said that okay, Spotify, you can have you can own this area, and and nothing is. They keep Spotify keeps making move after move, and Apple's not doing anything. And Apple was the you know years ago the clear leader, and now you'd have to say probably that Spotify is the clear leader. In what's going on in podcasting. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I don't. Yeah. That, that's what I thought. Of. And and I have the same. You already know what I'm going to say with this whole thing. I love any and all opportunities for creators to make more money, uh, to make it sure. easier for any kind of content creator to make a living for themselves. All good. Again, you 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 want to diversify as you go. So have this, you want to have some, some other controlled opportunities that you could have. That's why you want to make sure you have your own website. That's why you want to make sure yeah. that you have your own email newsletter and those types of things that you can But control. here's the thing. I, I, and I, and I want to go, and I'm literally probably this weekend going to go do some deeper research into this and sort of explore it. Because if you, if it's a situation where you get access to those subscribers, in other words, you get access to their information. Like it's, you can build your email list there. You could build your, you know, your your audience there. It's it's got a bit of a CRM component, or at least the ability to export those into your CRM. You know, whatever it is. Boy, does that change? Well, yeah, the game that's the point. You didn't mention that this is really important because this is what we have to check on, right? It says we now yeah, offer the ability it, for creators to download a list of contact addresses for their subscribers. Exactly. That was not possible. I mean, before. and. So, Right. And so, you know, if you can do that and you can do that in an easy enough way that basically makes this a service, in other words, you know, it's not just rented land in the sense that, you know, you're you're paying for Almost access like an email to marketing their service, like a convert kit or an right. Weber. That's yes. right. Definitely. Exactly. Exactly. It becomes more like a service where they're providing that. And of course, they're taking a cut. And of course, they're doing all of the things that they need to do to make money on this. But now... You go, hey, I've got, hey, podcast listeners, we're here and we're talking to you and it's great and fantastic. And if you want the expanded version of this interview or you want the expanded version that talks about this wonderful framework or you want the, you know, two and a half hour version of this show, just head on over to Spotify where you can sign up for our, it becomes your, it beca- you know, you can build your business around a podcast, basically. And by the way, for those of you, and, yeah, the, a great one to look at is Sam Harris. Sam Harris's podcast has been doing this for a long time. You can listen to yes, exactly his right. 45 minute or 60 minute podcast, but he has a two hour version of that that subscri- subscribers get. And he is raking in the dough right now. Right. But does he, and he does that on his website. If I, if he does I'm not, not, as far as mistaken. I can tell, he does not, he does not do this through a Spotify or a service like this. So I don't know how that's he right. Uses, but, but it sounds like Spotify will do this now as a, as you said, as a service, which, yeah. That, that was that's the holy grail right in podcasting we don't like when we look at our uh, we use libsyn uh for our right. uh, distribution right. service syndication service and we can see where they're coming from we can see what device they're using uh we can see downloads but we don't we blah, don't blah, know blah, the right. who. it's like useless we information pretty much and if this tells right. you who it's a game changer you're right yeah i mean podcast analytics right now is broken it is well, maybe broken it's not anymore. Maybe they just maybe yeah, they yeah, just unlocked they not, it. It is just yeah, no. yeah. I just you know it's it's because because that's the difference, annoying. right? If if you are a Spotify subscriber, they have your information, and I'm under yes. the assumption that if you subscribe to a service, then or subscribe to a podcast, you have to then accept the terms, and they will relay the subscription information oh to. you become sure you become a spotify subscriber right now you may not become a paid uh, spotify subscriber but imagine that right imagine giving here's the here's the flip side of it right imagine giving podcasters the ability to include spotify uh subscriptions as part of the subscription to my podcast and them getting an affiliate fee out of that i mean you know, it's just, it's good. It's good. And it, and Apple, you're absolutely right, should have done it and didn't. I still don't understand why. I, they, I, yeah. I mean, they, they are almost purposely giving it to Spotify. And Spotify yeah. it's, is it's making a, the most of it. Great. So it reminds me so much of the early days of the internet and where, when we were all going, where is Microsoft in all of this? Where is Microsoft in the internet browser and, you know, trying to, and it's just like, they just gave up the internet to everybody yeah, else. They were focused on B2B software. Who knew? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for our rants and raves section. When Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that makes us feel, Oh, you know, like we're changing our name to Yee or, or, 
<laughs> so, uh, would you? Yeah, you want to go first, I'll go or first. do I want to go first? Because I, I have a, I have a ranty. Okay, good. Rant. I want to hear your a, ranty yeah. rant. I've got a quick rave yeah. and a quick rantish, I guess, something like that. So, okay. um, all right. The the first one is this. This comes from my my youngest son. Uh, he sent me this video from Patreon C- CEO Jack Conte. This is from 2016, so I'll put it in the show notes. It's called Adjusting Your Packaging, which is just an interesting title. But uh, totally recommend any creator watches this. It, to- it resonated with me this week because I had multiple content creators ask me for advice. They were struggling, and they said, Joe, what am I doing wrong? And what I noticed was each one was putting in the work. Each one had you know incredible passion, expertise, but they were all struggling to really make a living. And I thought all of their problems were in what Jack Conte calls the packaging, how they presented themselves, how they were choosing the right keywords to focus on, how they were, um, you know, how they could focus, how they should be focusing more on less things and be great at them and not more other things, um, choosing to be an expert in one thing over many. So I'm just, just a quick rave out for, I didn't realize the history of, of, of Patreon CEO Jack Conte's in, in music as well um so he really is a creator and i i loved watching this presentation you should see because it, it was at the patreon creator conference and he's mm. looks so young it's five years ago and he's in a room uh, looks like a classroom it got a, their first big creator conference it couldn't have been more than 100 people in the room so anyways i'll put the link in the show notes but if you uh google you know uh, jack conte adjusting your packaging uh, it will come up in YouTube. <laughs> I know, isn't that crazy? But that's, that's a good. Well, it's a good. It's a it's a good yeah, T-shirt. It, Jack Conte has adjusted exactly. my package. It's, there's yeah, so there's some there not safe go. for work uh, language in there, but but really yeah. good. Highly recommend any creator um, uh, doing that. The second thing is, I don't know what I'm ranting against here, but I don't know if you saw The Verge came out with this um, investigation on Joe Rogan, uh, basically. I heard about this. I did not read it, but I heard about it. So here's the article that I'll put in the show notes. Joe Rogan, confined to Spotify, is losing influence. And they basically did a study, and it came down to formerly guests that were on the Joe Rogan show would get 5,000 people to to like them on Twitter, and now it's only 2,000. And basically they're saying, did Joe Rogan do a disservice by limiting his audience and making the decision to go to a Spotify exclusive deal for, by the way, $100 million? And did did he give in? Was it not the the right thing to do? And all I have to say, and first of all, I I think that it's complete poppycock. (laughs) That's the word to use. Go back, go and look at what happened with Howard Stern. This is the exact same thing that happened with Howard Stern. When Howard Stern was syndicated on, I think it was 45 different markets, he had an audience of well over 20 million just by himself at that time. He made the decision for, I think, a five-year deal of 500 million or 400 million back in 2004 to go ahead and go to Sirius XM, and he significantly lost his audience. But did he? Did he really lose his audience or did he create a really really loyal audience maybe smaller if you think about it but an amazing loyal audience nonetheless on one platform and yes is are there pros and cons to it of course there are but i don't think that joe rogan made the wrong decision in this i don't think he's lost oh, influence yeah. there's a hundred million pros in that in but that you got to remember yeah. too it was why did spotify do this deal and spotify not only wants to grow their audience they want to keep spotify listeners of and course, that's yeah. yeah netflix right they're exactly. netflix and that's that's one of the reasons why sirius xm did the deal for howard stern they had to keep all those millions of subscribers how do we do that add this talent how does spotify keep their millions of subscribers subscribers add this talent so i think yep exclusive access to the talent that's so the again key. i mean i think you might touch up on your your own study here in, in one of your rants but th- this is a study that's done that says oh my god they only got four thousand t- twitter followers in 2019 and in 2020 it's 2000 oh my god they're he's losing influence come on yeah what a <laughs> bunch of crap. come on anyway so that's my <laughs> that's my rant uh on that so nice. uh what so you have a a ravey rave and a rave I do. Rant or whatever. 
I have a I have a very quick rave, which I'll save for last because I always like to end on a positive note. But um, but I do have a ranty rant. This um, the article that we'll link to in the show notes for my ranty rant um, is one that will look familiar, but it is it is a new one, um, which is making the rounds through the PR earned media cycle. Um, and the title is CEOs don't trust CMOs, according to new industry report. Um, we're linking, hopefully, uh, to a either Googleable uh, URL or one that you can click through and at least read the article. It's hard with Business Insider these days to get you something. But um, yeah, nevertheless, there's an industry report. Um, and so the the research report is from, you know, it's a piece of content marketing from an agency and from GLG, uh, which you may know is Gerson Lehman, and they do a lot of, you know, research and consulting and all this kind of stuff, and that you can hire them to get access to an audience to do your own research, which I'm assuming the agency did was basically use GLG to get access to these CEOs to talk to them about the idea that they don't trust their CMOs. And, you know, I, look, I don't want to throw them too far under the bus here because most of these CMOs aren't trusted sort of studies are, as you would say, Joe, poppycock. <laughs> um, but uh, this one is particularly egregious. And so, you know, you look at the because I actually did manage to track down the research on the agency site um, and download it. And it basically says, first, hey, Surprise, average CMO tenure is down and they make the point the industry isn't talking about it. Well, okay, that's not true. Um, there's literally an article in the Wall Street Journal from April of this year, and there is every single year when Stuart Spencer does their annual study of how CEOs don't trust CMOs. Um, this topic is on the table for years. The reason it's not talked about more? Because it's not important. Uh, second is the industry isn't talking about this CMO tenure issue that they're talking about. Again, quick Google, IQPC conference, uh, uh, referencing the annual Stuart Spencer study. There's a Wall Street Journal uh, that last year at this time talked about the issue and that the conference session um, was also covering this. The ANA, which of course the study calls out by name, has uh, basically covered this issue from June of this year. Then the research gets to the number uh, of employees that are actually um, look, you know, the basically the, the the methodology of the study. Well, thirty-seven percent of their hundred and fifty. By the way, they, it was a, a hundred and fifty strong of CEOs that they talked to uh, are less than a thousand employees. So that means only a hundred companies in this study are, as they say in the title of the research, quote unquote, the most advertised brands in the world. Then they get to the question that relates to the whole finding in the headline that seventy percent of CEOs would save their own ass. Uh, or uh, the, excuse me, CMOs would save their own ass before taking a bullet for the CEO, which of course grabs my attention. And that was the question that was literally posed to these CEOs. They, they literally said, would you take a bullet for your CEO? Or your CM, would your CMO take a bullet for you? Would, or would they save their own ass? And the fact that 30% said that I would take a bullet for the CEO <laughs> should actually be... You know, so that should be the headline, I think, here. But it wasn't, of course. <laughs> then there's the finding, as only they, as they put it, only 56%, only 56% of CEOs believe that their CMO supports their long-term visions. And then it puts 10%, says, puts their, you know, their own needs before their own. Well, that's weird, because the way they look like they ask it, it was a select all that apply but those are the only two answers that were available. So there's a whole other no, sweat there's of There's nothing else that you would do. Those are the only two yeah, things that you could, that, you could Those are the only do. two things that you could, but you could select all that apply there. <laughs> and then the punchline, the punchline of the whole article in question here, and the punchline, I guess, to my rant is the finding that only 4% of CEOs say the CMO is the most trusted member of the leadership team. This is where it gets just, it goes off the rails. So what the study shows is, yes, absolutely. The uh, uh, CFO has 54% of uh, said that they're the most trusted, followed by the COO at 27%. And then chief strategy is third at 5%. But fourth, and only by one point, is CMO. 
So below CMO, the CTO is 3%, the CIO at 2%, the chief revenue officer at 1%. So the headline should be, the CMO is actually more trusted than the CTO, the CIO, or the CRO. And then in terms of value that the CEO apparently finds, the CMO is also fourth in that list. Again, CFO number one, COO number two, chief revenue officer number three, and then the number one, or the, excuse me, the number four that's uh, basically there, the CMO, right? The, C- <laughs> and the chief, chief revenue officer is the one that's considered the least trusted. My point, and I promise I actually do have one here, is that CMO tenure is actually inherently always going to be and always has been shorter than the other functional leaders in our business. What I never hear about, the thing that's not getting covered, if you want to talk about things that aren't getting covered, is why that's a healthy thing and not something that the business should necessarily be worried about. Top Fortune 500 companies of 2021. Let's just look at them real quick. Walmart, Amazon, Apple, CVS Health, United Health, Berkshire Hathaway, and McKesson. That's the top of the Fortune 500 in 2021. Walmart, William White, appointed CMO when? May of 2020, about uh, you know uh, a little more than a year ago. Where did he come from? He came from Target, where he had a similarly uh, short tenure. Amazon, Ukanwa Ojo, Amazon Prime and Amazon Studio CMO. When was she appointed? September of 2020, about a year ago. Michelle Peluso, named Chief Customer Officer at CVS Health. After what? The CMO that was there had been there for about uh, four years. He retired or left and went to um, uh, go be CMO of um, uh, another company. She's now the Chief Customer Officer and they haven't really named a CMO, but assuming that, when was she named? January of this year. Salesforce just announced that it crushed its earnings, crushed and has raised its guidance for the next year. Guess when their new CMO started? That's right, about eight months ago. And when did their previous CMO start? Well, about 36 months prior to that. And so on and so on and so on. We talk about CMO tenure more than any other C-suite thing. It's, it's constantly a thing of talk. And the answer is, yeah, it is. It's less than two years. And that's probably a good thing. That's the end of my rant. That's um, a good one. That, okay. That's yeah. the, the, the data points. You know, it's funny because you could you could make the story you could the story could be CMO trust or CMO tenure stays stable for the and and the almost the same for the last decade, right? It hasn't yeah, changed. That's right. That's, that's funny. Good. Yeah, and 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 good comp and you could also make the argument that good companies switch out their CMOs a lot. Yeah. Right. I mean, you can make a data driven argument for that. Anyway, quick rave to end on a positive note. Go watch the Val Kilmer documentary on my list on now. Prime. Yep. It is so much fun, so interesting. So he is a content creator. You know, the thing, and this is no spoiler alerts here. This is basically Val uh, started in the business. Uh, he's about our age, about my age, I should say. I'm older than you. Um, and so he started in 1982-ish, 19, early 80s, um, when he went from high school to Juilliard to, to become an actor. And he basically, when he got to Juilliard, he turned on a video camera and didn't turn it off for basically 40 years and has basically captured every part of his life. And now he's pulled and culled through all that footage. Um, If you didn't know, and again, this isn't a spoiler alert per se, he was stricken by throat cancer and basically really can't speak any longer without the use of a, you know, one of those buzzing sort of vocalizers. And so his son actually does a lot of the voiceover from the script, who sounds just like him. Uh, It's just endearing. It's interesting. It's a new look at Val Kilmer. It's just a wonderful documentary. Couldn't recommend it more highly. And and you said that's on Amazon Prime, correct? Amazon Amazon Prime. Prime. Yeah, Amazon Prime. Well, it is on my list right after I get through White Lotus. I'm just kidding. I'm, oh, where are you? I start, where I, are you on I, that? First twenty minutes. That's, <laughs> I did. I just kept hearing about it, and I'm All like, right. oh, I better go. So bad. that's as far as I got. And I just, I just finished. Is it, it worth? I just finished. Is it, it. worth? I it? thought. I. Well, I'll just say this. I. I don't think I'm smart enough for that show. Um. I. I. I, I understand. I intellectually understand why people liked it. Emotionally, it did nothing for me. It did. Oh, it just didn't. I didn't. I'll just watch. I, I just, uh, maybe I'll you just, know. just watch Ted Lasso again. No, you gotta. You got. It's only six episodes. It's quick. It's 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 six episodes. You'll get through it. It's it, you watch it. It's yeah. You know, 
Yeah, it's I can't I can't say much yeah. without spoiling okay. anything, but but just yeah. All right, my friend, what do you got going on this weekend? Uh, uh working on some deliverables for clients and uh sort of, you know, hopefully sort of we have sort of a I mean, it's like a like a, a confluence of deliverables due, meetings, workshops all happening as we approach Labor Day and so, you know, sort of uh, it's sort of everything is sort of crescendoing as it were right around next week um and so uh yeah just getting ready for that and trying to get through everything and you know hopefully get into a long weekend and be able to take a deep breath good for you, you? Know, we we on uh, this weekend we have our we do an annual grown-up party so we have a little grown-up oh, party nice. outdoors uh hopefully the weather will cooperate well now you can have grown-up parties all the well, time that's another thing it's just I'm trying to I'm, yeah. I'm I honestly trying to figure out my my new schedule because my office mate was right next door to me is gone, so I'm t- like we talked all yeah. the time about all kinds of stuff and I'm like okay well that was a lot of my day <laughs> I'm like okay where where it's almost like you when when you went to virtual so a lot of people went, they had the office thing and they had a lot of water cooler conversation and then went to, went uh, work from home you're like okay well there's a lot of extra time I've got. So, yeah, well, I, I should be more productive theoretically. You would think. Yeah. So you would, you would think. think. But I'm not. But going. you're not going to be. No, I'm going to watch more. You're television. not going to be. I'm just kidding. There it is. <laughs> there All it right, is, my friend. There it is. Or 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 discover your accounts oh. on OnlyFans. I'm, I'm yeah. Sorry. Well, I mean, you you are the Pornhub subscriber king. So there we go. You would know. You there would know. we are. With all of that, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to sign off. And if you want to get all the goodness of this podcast show notes, hey, why not? You know, why not when you're thinking about life, when you're out there, you're surfing around the Internet, you're like Joe, you're looking for things to do. Why don't you go give us a review? Go give us a kind review on Apple. Go give us. We need some more reviews, folks. Or we need Spotify. We don't have a lot of there. reviews on Spotify. You know, or Spotify. On, on you know, Apple, go. Yeah. So. Yeah. So go give, go give us a review and get your friends to subscribe, won't you? And in the meantime... If you want more of the links on this show, get on over to our wonderful little website at thisoldmarketing.site. We want to thank the good folks at Radix for powering our thisoldmarketing.site. And if you want your own .site domain, get over to Radix and get your own .site domain. And until we meet again next week, just remember, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you soon on This Old Marketing.